This episode of Enchanting Aspects is brought to you by Ellie Spectacular, Scoob the Dude, and Cyber Lady Z. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. lately having a lot of like sleep issues because um i'm stupid and so i will uh you know stay up super super late and then sleep for like three hours and then do another full day uh and Mm. sometimes i'll like stay up for like 24 hours and this is this is a thing that bipolar disorder does to me bipolar disorder uh, makes it so you want to sleep less and can technically operate on less sleep. And I was talking to my psychiatrist about it and he was like, hey, maybe you're exhausted all the time and you just don't know it. Uh, so I, I have been more diligent about taking my, uh, sleep aids. And so I took melatonin last night for the first time in a long time. And and it sure made me sleep. It sure made me sleep. I slept real good. It was a good sleep. And I had a couple of like really like pretty great dreams. But now I I am awake, but I'm still very sleepy. Yeah. That's um congratulations, Jupiter. You have officially you're living in a a normal average day of the life, Amy. Awake but still sleepy constantly. <laughs> Ready to go back to sleep. <laughs> I I need I need to wake up. I te- I have an energy drink in the in the fridge. I could go drink that. You know what? Actually, give me a second. Keep, you can't keep, you can't keep, handle the sleepy. Keep you can't it, be no. an Amy for one day. I don't want to be sleepy. I have things to do, Amy. <laughs> I do too. How do you uh, think I? You think I do drink energies? No way. You should. We've been over this. All right, yeah, yeah. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Keep it running. So I think it's really fucked up that wood and stone can't be fused. Why can't elements... Why can't elements be fused? Why don't we have rock trees? It doesn't make sense. Why do we have rocks and trees, but they can't connect to each... Like, and form with each other? I think that's stupid. Okay, I am, I'm back, and just for the mic, there you go, now, now I am ready, now I'm ready. Hi, welcome to Enchanting Aspects, where we enchant your aspects, uh, and appreciate the little things in art. My name is Jupiter. My name is Amy. Their name is, their name is Amy, did you know that? Now you do. Now you do. Uh... But actually, before we even get into that, uh, we just wanted to, hey, this is the first episode of Enchanting Aspects going out post the Toadstool Express event. The choo-choo's gone, but the, the heart and love is still there. And hey, we met our goal of 10 patrons. We met our goal. Oh my God, y'all. 
That was awesome. It was. That was uh, awesome. Y'all are entirely too incredible. Um, Thank you. Thank thank you you very much. Thank you so much. And we're very excited for uh, to to get uh, bigger and and uh, we're excited to get bigger. What what a sentence. Uh, we're, we're excited, like, much like, oh, fuck, what was her name? You're not gonna get this reference. In the, frankly, terrible Hanna-Barbera Super Friends show, there is a lady who is a villain, and I forget her name, but she can, she can grow very big. And mm, that sounds like somebody's fetish put into a TV show, but that never happens. That never happens. She is also dressed pretty skimpily, I will add. So, so yeah, that might be, uh, there might, there might be some artists who worked on that show who have some personal art of the, of that character, shall mm-hmm. we say. But, um, um, Amy, do you want, do we want to get into it? Yeah. What's your thing? My thing is I'm I'm making a video essay without the video today. <laughs> okay, great. Sounds great. Let's go. Um, so I'm coming up with a new trope, a new TV trope. Oh, okay. Um, and my trope is home away from home. Today I'm gonna be talking about the trope, home away from home. Um, but I'm gonna use a specific example. From um one of my favorite video games, which I've never talked about on here yet. And that video game is called Moon. Oh, Moon. Oh, for moon. sure. I was like, uh, by the way, Amy, uh, uh, this is exciting because we are both bringing something we've never brought to the show before today. Ooh. Uh-huh. But yeah, I was like racking my brain. I was just like, "Oh, like, what's a what's what's one of Amy's favorite games that they haven't brought?" And yeah, M- Moon Moon makes the most sense. Yeah, um, and that's also because Moon is pretty recent. Um, I never played it until last year because it didn't come out until I think like two years ago in English. Um, yes, and it was originally get- what on the PS One maybe in. Uh, released in Japan in, like, the 90s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that it actually got um, localized to English, like, now is um, actually thanks to Toby Fox, the creator of Undertale, um, which I'll also partially be talking about today, um, because Undertale is heavily inspired by Moon, um, and Toby Fox just, like, told the creator of Moon, like, hey, your shit slaps, um put it into English, please. And they're like, okay. Um, and it's so good. Um, all right. So I'm first going to be talking about the, 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 um, trope of home away from home. Um, copyright Amy Terry. So home away from home is a trope that I've made up that has a specific set of rules, but, um, essentially it is when a character is, stuck in a different world that is not their own that they don't belong in but they have a specific place that makes them feel comforted and safe um and like they belong um and 
there are a few rules to this, and obviously all rules can be broken, um, and there's exceptions and stuff, but there, there, these are the rules that I made up. One, the character has to be in a place that they are not familiar with, um, whether that be another world, another town, uh, like a place where they feel they do not belong. And then two, they amongst that place where they are scared and feel among us um they feel that they do not belong the home away from home is a place where they just temporarily while they are there are safe are welcome um and basically that are safe and feel welcome so that means in terms of video games no harm can come to the character while they're at this location. Um, um, it's it's sort of like a sanctuary type area. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to... I'm racking my brain because I'm trying to think of examples of this in games that I know, or just stories that I know. Yeah. Um, if you think of any, please come up because it was really... I think it's not that like common of a trope. I think it's really rare. Um... And another, there are a few additional rules, um, like another one is there should be some sort of guardian at this place, um, like the home away from home has to have a, a guardian or a character or an animal, some sort of additional character that is there that affirms and validates that this, that the main character is welcome and is safe. Um, so essentially... You can't have a home away from home. Look, well, of course the rules can be broken, but you shouldn't have a home away from home without like somebody there telling you. Like somebody is welcoming you, welcoming welcoming you into their home. Um, the one com one example of this would be um, Granny's shack in Spirited Away. Um, Oh, of yeah. Chihiro being fully welcome and able to process her emotions while she is at Granny Shack and her friends are like it, you. F- the The vibe in that part of the movie completely changes from the whole movie because Chihiro is finally safe. Um, yeah, and I like this trope for many reasons. Um, but I'll get into it by starting with um. Undertale and Moon. So, Undertale is heavily inspired by Moon, um, and how Moon does the home away from home is really lovely. It's one of my favorite aspects of the game, which is why hey, I'm talking about hey, it. Hey, Amy, what is Moon? Yeah, so Moon is a... It's technically called an anti-RPG. Um, yeah. So, Moon follows the story of probably, like, a seven-year-old kid who is playing a video game, um, an RPG where you fight monsters and kill them um, to, quote-unquote, save the town. Um, And then once he beats the game, he accidentally gets sucked into the world of that game. Um, And in the world of that game, instead of fighting all the monsters, um, all the monsters have actually already been killed. And you have to figure out a way to um, essentially release the ghosts so that they can go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. um, it's 
It's such a weird, surreal game, and ex- it's an experience like any other game. Um, the There's so many amazing things about it. I'm certain I'm going to be talking about different aspects of it um, in the future, but in the very beginning of the game, you're, like, thrown into this world, and you are, like, a seven-year-old boy, and you actually come invisible. Um, nobody can see you because you're not a part of this world. Um, so you can't interact with anybody. You can only listen. That is until you go to Gramby. So, yeah. um, I am like going through my entire Steam library and I'm like, where does this trope come up? And I'm not. It's so rare. It's only like, it's so fucking rare. Um, because there's so many situations, like, even if you're in another world, most most stories, like, you're traveling. Like, you're not going back to a specific location. Um, I think possibly um, Chrono Trigger could be one, because you are kind of going through that, um, like, one teleport location place back and back again. It's basically, like, a central location that you go back to multiple times that yeah. you are safe at well um, but he, uh, here's the thing is i as i will think of a, a examples of like hub areas mm-hmm. and and a hub area is not what you're talking about you're talking about a more like a little hideaway a or yeah. or you know like not Somewhere that you return to, but isn't, like, the central location for the entire game. Rather, yeah. it's just, like, literally a a home or whatever. A, a, a place that feels like home. Because when we're thinking yeah. about, like, hub areas, like, we could talk about the hub areas in, like, Dark Souls or Bloodborne or whatever as, like technically safe spaces in that like unless you attack somebody they you will not be attacked yeah but but you certainly don't feel like home there (laughs) it's not a home it's not a home and like the other example that i can think of would be pokemon legends arceus where uh where jubilife village is safe but also you're not welcome there you're not really welcome there i mean like you become more welcome there with time it's not necessarily a home yeah it's just like a place where you have to fight to be accepted and that's yep that is not that is not the same yeah. So, so this. Yeah. yeah. So it's not. It's it's really hard to think of examples. I w- I was thinking all day. I was trying to come up with some, and I've I could only I fucking forgot most of them. So when you get to Gramby's house, first of all, Claire de Lune by Debussy is playing, mm-hmm. like just the piano song, um, which is amazing and beautiful because how many fucking times do you just hear a classical song in a video game? Uh, um, it, you hear Claire de Lune specifically, just 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 in case anybody cares, uh, in um, the first uh, Evil Within game. Oh, okay. That, that is in the central hub as well. I, I need not... to play every video game that has Claire de Lune playing in it. <laughs> okay, all right. 
Um, so yeah, Claire de Lune is playing. Um, it's such a surreal experience because in no other part of the video game is music like that playing. Um, you are invisible when you first come in, but the fun thing about Granby is that she's actually blind and she uses her hearing more than sight and so she notices that you are there um, and she literally thinks that you are her um, missing slash dead grandchild and so she treats you like her grandchild and she treats you with love and kindness and she has such a gentle French voice <laughs> um, and she feeds you and she clothes you and a really important aspect of um, the home away from home that I've come up with is that the place where you feel safe has to feel also familiar to you. Um, and so to this kid, it's familiar because he is a kid and he is being treated like one. Um, yeah. And he is being taken care of. And also she has a dog and it's just a tiny little cottage and you really don't do much um, in this place specifically, I think there's like a couple things to do in regards to um, like moving forward with the plot. Um, but and you also have to sleep there at night or else you run out of energy. Gosh, I could get so into Moon, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna talk more about the cool, cool um, like gameplay stuff in another uh, day. But like, um, it's it's such a magical place, like playing it for the first time and getting that place, I just felt this aura of safety and love. And I was like, okay, I know for sure, like, I'm going to be okay as long as I am here. Um, yeah. And it's such a, it's such a pleasant, nice feeling. Um, and then I think that Toby Fox was clearly inspired that, by that because in Undertale, the very beginning of the game, once you encounter your first danger, um, and, you know, in Undertale, you are also are a kid put into another world, another unfamiliar, dangerous world. Um, you are taken in by Toriel, and she takes you into her home where she no longer has her child. And there is very gentle, soft music playing, and she feeds you, and she takes care of you. Yeah. Um, and once again, it makes... I think it's so especially important at beginning beginnings of games that this happens because... Or beginnings of stories, I guess. Um, obviously, exceptions like Spirited Away. But it sort of begins... Like, it makes it clear that even though this world is dangerous, it doesn't mean that everything in it is and that there is still love and that there is still kindness. Um, and... I don't know, it's just like these little pockets of safety. I've I'm really, really into that. Um I'm I'm obsessed with especially in video games, like places where the aura and the vibe just feel different in that you actually want to linger in that area and not just, you know, explore it for loot and then get the fuck out of there. Like it's just like actively you want to stay in there because it means something. Yeah. And even though it's not a real physical location, it actually feels like it is a location and oof. I I do have an example. I think I think it would okay. count the Chow Garden in the Sonic Adventure game. <gasps> yes. 
I definitely think that could. I mean, like, there's technically not a guardian, but that's because I think you are the guardian. Yeah, you're um, the guardian. And I love that. Yeah, I definitely think that that could be a home away from home because you're taking a break from the intensity of the story and you are, you know, I guess in that specific example, you're creating your own safe space by <laughs> taking care of the chows and making them uh, how you want to raise them. But yeah, yeah, I love that example. <laughs> That's a great one. I'm a fucking um, genius, baby. You're a genius. I'm a genius. Um, another example I could think of was um, Kakariku Village, um, in, the inn at um, in Twilight Princess. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Once um, Ilya is like, I mean, for people who know Twilight Princess, once Ilya is taken care of and all the kids are rescued or whatever, like that's kind of the hub of where everybody's safe and okay. I mean, obviously you have to clear out all the monsters in that area first. Um, right. But you, you have you have to make it the safe space, which frankly uh, t- ties in very thematically with the game as we discussed in a in yeah. one of the previous episodes that we did. Yeah, totally. Um, the I also thought of um. The Baker's House in Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, yeah, that's that's a fantastic example, actually. Yeah, like, um, you know, she's in an unfamiliar town, and so far everybody has been unpleasant to her, and then she is taken in with open arms to just a pleasant pregnant woman who <laughs> bakes bread with her husband, and it's fucking so good. That movie, that fucking movie is... So important to me. And I, I frankly, I don't understand why I haven't brought more Studio Ghibli stuff. Why have I never talked about My Neighbor Totoro? I don't know. That's what, something to think about. You need what, to do that. What's what's wrong with me? What? I, the one other that <laughs> is barely a um, home away from home, but I think it's specifically a home away from home, more of the player, less the character is um, going up to space in your rocket at the end of the day in Pikmin. Um, oh, sure. It's not exactly like a safe space because you don't get to really um, be there. You just kind of see like an end results screen. But at the same time, the amount of relief and like safety you feel once you're in space and you're like, okay, I'm not being killed right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of one more example off the top of my head. Okay. Which uh, I, I have not beaten the game, so I do not know how much this continues to, to be the case. But I would say the spaceship in the Outer Worlds. Oh, okay. Where everything in that game, when you're on the planets, is uh, fairly constant danger. People who don't really like you... Uh, being thrown into uh, complicated political situations that you don't fully understand and have to suss out and then make very tough decisions about. Um, <laughs> one of these days, I should really talk about the opening mission of that game. Uh, but then you go, you go up into your little spaceship and you get to hang out with all of your companions who uh, do 
like you for the most part. You sometimes you have to build trust with them, but there's like you you have nice conversations with them and there and you know quests can start and uh and and you help Pavardi get a girlfriend and it's nice. <laughs> so I've never played it. It's great. Can, I I actually I should keep playing that game because every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, that game is so good. Um, <laughs> also, Pavardi, top tier character, ace lesbian, let's fucking go. Hell yeah. Um, I, a few other examples I have, they aren't home away from homes. They're just homes, which is um, like fucking grandma's house in Wind Waker. That's just your home, but it sure does feel nice. Um also in Earthbound, literally coming home to your mommy and sure. your doggy. Sure. Also near Automata, I was gonna do this one, but no, that's still your home. Um, is the space station you go back to? Um, it's 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 very safe and relaxing there, but it is your home. It's not your home away from home. Um, but still got sort of the similar vibe. Um, so yeah. Um, please, 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 if any of you have a home away from home example i would love to hear it um especially in the discord um uh please please let me know um also i definitely think for the most part most stories the home away from home for another character is literally a character or group of characters um but that's usually because they're traveling and it's like you know, there's not one sanctuary that you can stay at, and so your sanctuary has to be the people around you. Um, so that is my thing. That's your thing. I also, feel- fuck Persona Four, fucking your house. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Because it's technically not your house, but it's still very nice, and you're welcome there. Yeah. Um, the the uh, the that the then there's Persona Five, which I would argue does not have that. I still haven't played it. Um, so, whoa, whoa, what's your thing? Oh, my thing? Okay. Uh, so, my thing uh, is I have a story to tell you. Okay. That's my thing, is a story that Ooh. I want to tell you. So, I... Currently, 325 hours in a game that I do not know that a lot of people would uh, pin on me for enjoying. And that game is Sid Meier's Civilization V. Oh. And I want to sort of immediately get ahead of this. Right. So, first off, what is Civilization V? Uh, Civilization is a long-standing real-time strategy. Is it real-time? I don't fucking know. No, it's not. It's not real-time strategy. It's (laughs) turn-based strategy. I don't know terms. Mm -hmm. But it's a a top-down turn-based strategy game where you are a uh, quote-unquote great civilization and you are uh building up your civilization to uh to to become the best civilization to ever be and there uh and 
you are playing as these historical leaders and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, thematically, these games are so fucked. Like, thematically, I could not be in more disagreement with a game. Mm -hmm. I, like... First off, the games are literally the the great man view of history, uh, yeah. just in its in its to the point where the the leaders of these uh, civilizations are, I guess, immortal because they live on for thousands of years, uh, unchanged, uh, and like, yes, that's kind of a convenience thing for the developers, and also like. I don't know, thematically is just wild. Um but uh but like not only that, but like also the the idea that the goal of society is to like win uh is is like ridiculous. Like these also fuck I'm not even gonna talk about barbarians, which uh are like unorganized people who were there before you were Ew. that you then uh murder to oh. to take their space um Gross. it's awful uh thematically these games suck super bad and then uh civilization 6 comes out and i think a lot of more people are like huh the thematics of these games are really weird and, uh, so they basically, A, went with, like, a super awful, like, cartoony art style, and basically just, like, went over the whole game with a, like, uh, with a paintbrush of, like, oh, how can we make this game, I don't know, l- l- appear less problematic, is the way oh, I would describe it. Yeah. Um, uh, but, like, it's super fake, it's super, like, uh, also, uh, it's published, I believe, uh, or maybe developed by 2K. 2K fucking sucks. They suck really hard, as do most, like, games publishers and, and a lot of game dev studios. Uh, it's, it's bad, and that's me getting ahead of it. Is that <laughs> I have no agreement with almost anything about the game except for the fact that I just really enjoy how it plays. Um, <laughs> Fuck this game, but also. <laughs> but also, it's very fun. Um, so I, I, I bought civilization 5 and civ 6 honestly although i i have 325 hours in civ 5 and i have let me check really quick uh uh apparently 25 in civ 6 and i didn't even think it was that match uh mm. i even tried uh tried playing civ 6 again recently uh, and it's just a terrible game. I just do not like it. I can't even look at it because it's so just like oversaturated and gross looking. Uh, and I love Eye Strain, but this is too much for me. 
Okay, so now I've gotten past all the things I don't like, mm-hmm. and uh, and I oh, what I was saying is that I bought these games, uh, frankly, when I was a kid before I became like politically conscious, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, and I haven't touched these games in literally like I I think it was like six years. Um, wow. Uh, so, and then just, like, out of nowhere, I got the hankering to check out Civ Five again, because it was one of my favorite games. Uh, and I don't typically like strategy games, and I especially don't like real-time strategy, because that's just too stressful. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, for whatever reason, Civ Five just mechanically feels really good, and, uh, uh, also... Another point that I will say is that um, there there are, uh, shall, shall we say, segments of the community around this game that uh, suck real fucking hard. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And uh, there is a modding scene to this game. Mm. And there are people who uh, are very insistent on modding in uh, a certain fascist regime into the game. Mm. And oh my fucking God, it's it. there are so many things that suck so bad about this game. And the fact that the game is, is so thematically fucked that people felt s- safe uh, openly just supporting, like, Nazi shit in this game. Yeah. Like, yeah. God, it sucks so bad. And you might be saying, why is this a, why is this a, not like an anti-aspects, or why are you bringing this to the show at all? Um, and honestly, the reason why is because when I play this game, I completely, like, separate the whole framing device and, uh, and themes of this game. I kind of set that aside because I know what's in that, that box. That box isn't even closed. I am not pretending anything. I I know what this game is, but when I'm playing it, I I'm just like I'm not thinking about all of that. I'm just thinking about the raw mechanics of it, how things work together, you know, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my sort of stance is that, um, you know, because there is like there are a lot of, like, questions uh, uh, that are pretty consistently raised about, like, should you be engaging with problematic media? And I would say, fucking all media is problematic. If you're searching for unproblematic media, then you are just going to be sanitizing your experience to the point where, you know, you will be uh, insularizing, is that a word? Uh, I don't know. 
and basically like segmenting out a section of media that you think is unproblematic and refuse to look critically at. Yeah. And I think that it is much more valuable to in to honestly engage with the stuff you enjoy, including its problematic elements, not ignoring or forgetting them, and uh, still allowing yourself to enjoy the thing while also looking at it through the honest lens for what it is. Mm-hmm. You can like... Th- hey, you know what this show is about? It's about liking parts of things. You're allowed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all of that preamble out of the way. Because I could not... Uh, I I could not feel okay if I talked uncritically about my experience with a session of this game that I had and have people leaving with the impression that this game is at all defensible. Mhm. So, uh now I'm going to tell my story of a particular game that I had where I was playing as uh, China, uh, and I, the the internal lore that I have established, again, I'm not even thinking about it like, oh, this is the nation that I was playing as. More, I I'm just telling you from a mechanical standpoint that is who I yeah. was playing as. Yeah. So. I, this is the story of, uh, two lovers who, who, uh, who, when the world was against them, banded together and, uh, fought all of the odds against them. And yes, I will justify that statement. Okay. So... Uh, so this is, this is what happened. So I had, uh, I had just gotten off of playing a a match and I always play against AIs. Uh, I, I think you can do multiplayer against randos and nothing sounds less fun to me than doing that. Uh, maybe if I, maybe if I got a group of friends together to play it, maybe, but. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. I I and also ga- games of Civ take hours. Like we're talking, you could spend twelve hours on a single game. Ew. Uh. So uh. So what happened was I had just gotten done playing a very short game. Uh, I forgot who I was playing as. It doesn't really matter. All I remember is that I was doing my thing, and uh, suddenly uh, Byzantium, uh, no, not Byzantium, Assyria, uh, absolutely wrecked my entire shit, and uh, just, like, took so many of my cities, and was just warring the fuck out of me. And I don't, I don't typically play a warring kind of game. Uh, 
there are multiple victory types you can go for. Domination is the one where you um, basically murder everybody so that you are the only civilization left. Mm. And uh, A, that's extremely hard to pull off. And B, is not fun because you have to constantly be at war and managing fucking dozens of units. And it's just like, ugh, fuck, I'm not interested in this. So I don't typically do war. Uh, in a, in a good game, I will go the entire ma- the entire game without ever going to war. But. Hell yeah. Uh, Assyria really was fucking my shit. And so I was, I, I lost that game. And so I was like, and, and I lost it quickly. And so I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to play again. And this time, I'm going to play as a nation who has some fucking military capacity because I don't want to be caught off guard like that again. And initially, I thought, you know what? Fuck it. This time, I, this time I am going to go for a domination victory. I'm going to fight to make sure that I am, I am staying in this game. And, uh, my neighbor, when I started the game, was Byzantium. Uh, who, uh, uh, also, uh, and this is maybe stupid, but I pretty much only ever play as civilizations with women leaders, even though that is such, like, a liberal girl boss thing to say. (laughs) Girl boss! I know it's, wars. it's so it's so stupid. I just for some reason like I don't it's because I don't want to look at these crusty ass men the entire time. You're valid. You're gay. I'm gay. So um and uh Byzantium's leader uh I forget her name, but she is fantastic and when you like talk to the nation, she is just like perpetually like leaning back like all like hot just like leaning back in a chair and just looking like sassy and she looks great mm-hmm. um and uh so uh she she was my neighbor the entire game kind of and and then guess who was right next to the two of us fucking assyria Damn, fucking trying to stop your love. <laughs> well, literally, like, I, as soon as I started the game and I met Byzantium, I was just like, okay, it's you and me. It's you and me against the world. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, and then, uh, oh my god. So, Assyria decides to declare war against Byzantium. And so I'm like, fuck you. Uh, but like, initially, cause I, I don't like, I don't know, for like, I can't, this was like two weeks ago, but like, um, basically Assyria, uh, took Byzantium's capital like twice, and both times I recaptured it and gave it back to, uh, Byzantium. <laughs> 
and sorry, that, queen. Here's yes. your helm. Here's your uh, crown. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then, uh, basically, while I I wasn't looking, I guess because me and Byzantium were allies the entire time, but uh, she never called on me for like to like help with the war effort or anything. Um, despite the fact that I think for the entire game, I had the strongest army. Uh, so, uh, so I don't know, but while I wasn't looking, uh, she, uh, had all of her cities taken and was completely decimated. I do not, I do not know how this happened, but she was (gasps) out of the game. Juliet! I, exactly. And so I went sicko mode. And I uh, pushed back against Assyria. And uh, and uh, basically, over the course of I don't know how many turns, maybe like 50 to 100, because... And turns in this game sometimes go very quickly and sometimes they don't. Um, but I, uh, uh, completely destroyed the entirety of Assyria and, uh, and they were just gone. They were just out of the game. When I, I backed them into a corner, into what was, uh, Byzantium's, like, city, and... It wasn't even hard. I took it back, and Byzantium or uh, Assyria was gone. And Die. and by this point, I was exhausted. Again, war isn't fun in Civ Five. Mm-hmm. It is. It is managing a lot of units. It is, and like I was like burnt. I was burnt, and I was like my my the one when I said that me and Byzantium were going to go against the world, I I lied because while I, I wasn't able to protect, I was literally, I was like so bitter. I was just like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this entire world. I'm going to raise it to the ground. If I can't have Byzantium, nobody can have anything. Exactly. And then, the unbelievable happened. I captured uh, the last city. And I got a little notification on my screen that said, uh, basically, would you like to give the city back to Byzantium and bring them <gasps> oh, back shit. into the game? Oh, shit. And I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then she was back. And she had a city again, and she was in the game again. And by this point, I was also, by the way, I was easily the most powerful civilization in the entire game. I had uh, the most money, the most military prowess. No one could touch me. And if I wanted to, I could have just, I could have uh, just kept going and captured every city and just done the damn thing. Mm-hmm. But then Byzantium came back, 
And suddenly I melted again. (sighs) That's what love does. Yeah, right? And, And I was like, shit. Uh, okay. And so I gave her back her capital, too. And I was like, all right, well, now now it is you and me against the world. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of the game, I made the decision of just like, no, I am not going to go to war again. I am not. I am going to basically be like uh, the uh, military deterrent, I guess, of just like, if anybody is starting shit my presence will be the threat that keeps them from hurting Byzantium. Uh, so, uh, and then Byzantium, obviously, having come back from the dead, pretty much had nothing, and was just like, hey, um, can I, can I just have, like, a whole bunch of, like, resources for free, because... Uh, I'm in a really bad way. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Take anything you need, queen. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we were absolutely, like, I basically, in the lore, in the internal lore in my mind, I was like, okay. And then we get married, and but we still have our separate, like, little things, because, like, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to become like, uh, you know, we don't want to, uh, be codependent, I guess, <laughs> is, is the internal lore I was creating. Because I don't know, there's one of the th- fun things about this game is like it as a storytelling device and coming up with these little stories and like the, the sort of drama that you can create. And. Uh, normally the drama is like, oh, fuck that guy. That guy is, has been really fucking me over the entire game. But just mm-hmm. this once, just this once. The it's inter- love. The, just this once, the internal lore was love. Uh, and, uh, and so I switched gears and was like, you know what? No, instead of, uh, I have been pacified, instead of going the war route, I'm going to go for the space race. And, uh, another aspect of this game is there's the, um, the, the, uh, World Congress, uh, which is another way to win the game in that you can, uh, get voted as world leader. (laughs) And, uh, so I was, I was working on my, my space race stuff and... Uh, at a certain point, I realized because, like, you can, uh, you, uh, every once in a while, you can vote for, like, who will be hosting the World Congress and then eventually who will become world leader. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I realized that me and Byzantium were just voting for each other. And it was Aww. very, it was very cute. And so I was, like, I was doing my space race thing. And, then, uh, near the end of the, and like, I was literally like a couple of turns from winning a space race victory. And then I realized, wait a fucking second. With my, with me and Byzantium's powers combined, I could get voted world leader. And I thought that that was a much better story. A mm-hmm. much better conclusion to this game is that 
through the entire game, it has been me and Byzantium against the world, and that the at the end, me and Byzantium would team up to uh, declare me world leader, and basically just like, like in my in my version of events, in my version of the story, it's like me me and Byzantium doing it together. We we of both course. we both become the world leader. Um uh because we're married. Uh Yeah. And uh and then we could, you know, and then I could go from this like this this uh, I sort of think of it almost like uh in Howl's Moving Castle where Howl is this like vicious war machine like who gets like tamed down? Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of like that, where I was this vicious beast, <laughs> and then uh, once Byz- I know it's so silly, uh, and then once Byzantium was back in the game, uh, sh- she basically pacified me, and then uh, and then we worked together to try and achieve world peace. Oh my god. And so I did get elected world leader and just out of curiosity, uh I I did like one more turn and immediately me and Byzantium were both like uh 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 do suggest uh, um launching things into the world congress to uh basically like strongly uh de-incentivize war and to ban nuclear power world peace and so yeah we were achieving world peace and i was like you know what fuck yeah this is a great ending um fellas is it gay to um start world peace (laughs) is it gay to have world peace yes it is and and we need that Oh my god, we need that. <laughs> Thanks for your love story. Yeah. I I really like This was a game where I just like I have a I have a as you can tell. I have a a a bit of a complicated relationship to Civ 5 as a game. Uh because uh when the stories that can come from it can be so, like, genuinely, like, incredible. And the game is so mechanically robust that it is just, like, so fun to play. But also, again, just, oh, I could not recommend this game to anyone. <laughs> I could not. Uh, if, frankly, if like I have not played a lot of it, but if you want a uh, uh another game that is similar but is at the very least less thematically fucked, uh, then there is a game, and I need to find it again. Here it is. Uh, there is a game, uh, that wow I haven't played since 2016, so I don't know how well it holds up. Uh, but there's a game called Thea, Thea, I think, Thea the Awakening, uh, that, uh, I remember being very good. Okay. Uh, and, uh, 
and I should probably play it again. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would recommend at the very least looking into the, that game. Don't play Civ 5. And like, if you're already a Civ fan, you know, whatever. But uh, what I'm saying is that if you heard what my story today and were like, huh, maybe I should try out this Civ 5 thing. Don't. Don't. Don't don't give 2K your money. Are you kidding me? I I bought this game that I I bought that game fucking years ago. Uh don't give them your money now. Uh so that's that's sort of that's that's my thing. That's my thing. That's my thing. Thanks for listening to Enchanting Aspects. The moral of the story is um Home can be away from home, and sometimes your home is an entire country personified uh, as a uh, as a hot girl. Can I can I take a swing at it? Sure. No matter what situation you find yourself in, love can make you feel safe. Yes. Yes. Thanks okay. for listening. Have a great. Life. That's not the outro, Amy. (laughs) Love yourself. Believe in yourself. Bye. Bye.